after Jesus' birth in Bethlehem of Judah, during the reign of King Herod, astrologers from the east arrived one day in Jerusalem inquiring, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. At this news, King Herod became greatly disturbed, and with him all Jerusalem. Summoning all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they informed him. Here is what the prophet has written. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the princes of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd of my people Israel. Herod called the astrologers aside and found out from them the exact time of the star's appearance. Then he sent them to Bethlehem. After having instructed them, go and get detailed information about the child. When you have discovered something, report your findings to me so that I may go and offer him homage too. After their audience with the king, they set out. The star which they had observed at its rising went ahead of them until it came to a standstill over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star and on entering the house found the child with Mary, his mother, They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their coffers and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They received a message in a dream, not to return to Herod. So they went back to their own country by another route. The Gospel of the Lord. I have a little message from Father Uberto Palomino. Do you remember Father Palomino? Years ago, he was, he was assigned here, and he celebrated the 10 a.m. Mass this morning. And so he wanted to say hello to everybody, and he was, he was happy. He's, he's, he was assigned here, and then now he's, a, I think he believes, assigned in uh, Minnesota, somewhere in Snow Country, way out there. But he's, he was in town because right now at Napa, at the Meritage Resort, there are hundreds of priests there for a priest conference that's coming up this that will begin tomorrow for the next week and and so the owners of the Meritage is owned by the Bush family Bush family are a very prominent Catholic family and they're extremely extremely generous to the church and the mission of the church and they hold a conference every year for priests to delve deeper into sacred scripture so Palomino gave me a call and said father can I come and celebrate mass in my old parish I said of course father you're always welcomed here and so he misses all of you well, he misses most of you, I should say, huh? <laughs> Just kidding. He didn't say that, no. Well, praise God. Thank you for your prayers. If you remember from last Sunday, I asked for prayers because myself and a team from the parish, from St. Mary's, were flying to the Seek Conference. Seek as in Seek the Truth. And we just returned we came back on Friday night, late Friday night, and we flew in. 
It was a powerful week. Praise the Lord. It was, if you can imagine, 25,000 college students all on fire for their faith in Jesus Christ. So the Sea Conference was organized by a group known as FOCUS, which is a Catholic missionary group which trains Catholic missionaries to go to college campuses and to evangelize. And they have grown in these last 25 years. They were started in 1998 with eight people. (laughs) Now it has grown, it's blossomed, and so now they're growing internationally. And in one of the highlights of the Sikh conference was on a Wednesday. That's past Wednesday. We had Eucharistic adoration. If you can imagine, imagine this. We were in St. Louis at the, at the St. Louis Convention Center, which is attached to this huge dome where the, at the time when the St. Louis Rams used to play. So that was where we had the conference, in this huge dome packed with college students. And it was a beautiful sight, in fact, where we, where we vested for Mass as the priests. It, was, it used to be the locker room where the, where the players would dress for the games. And so it was, it was cool to kind of be in that football locker room, but now dressing for something radically more important than a football game, the Holy Mass. But we had Eucharistic adoration on Wednesday night. Again, just imagine in your, in your, in your mind, Eucharistic adoration, put the Lord in a monstrance, And then 25,000 young people kneeling before Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, with something, few things are as beautiful as that. And then with that 25,000 people kneeling in adoration, there were 500 of us priests. And they put us in, if you can imagine again, in an airplane-sized hangar room where 500 priests were all spread out Because during adoration, the young people had an opportunity to go to confession. They counted how many people went to confession that night. 4,500. And we heard 4,500 confessions in two hours. It was a beautiful sight where I was stationed. as I was near the aisle where where the young people were coming in to wait in line. It was an endless stream of people. For 30 minutes, they just kept coming and coming and coming. And it was a beautiful sight because here we were as priests, and all of these thousands of young people were coming to encounter Jesus. To encounter the living God. And we know something, whenever Jesus is encountered, notice what happens here at the end of the gospel. As we celebrate this beautiful solemnity of the epiphany of the Lord. Epiphany simply means the manifestation. The three kings who come from what many scholars believe is modern-day Iran. So, So from that part of the world, the three kings come. And they come to do homage to the baby Jesus, of course. The three kings represent all of humanity. That this message of salvation is no longer simply for one people. Yes, salvation comes to the Jewish people first, but through Jesus Christ, it has now been expanded 
to all of the world. And notice what happens next at the end. When they encounter Jesus, their lives are changed forever. It says here, and we see this little clue, after they encountered our Lord in Bethlehem, said they went back to their own country by another way. They were changed. They were different. They no longer could go back to their old lives anymore. See, that's what happens when we encounter Jesus. Paul Benedict famously said that Christianity, our faith, Christianity, it's not simply an ethical system. Because oftentimes our contemporaries like to reduce Jesus to merely being nice. You've heard that before. Oh, Christianity, just, just do nice things. Be nice, share. So that's not the heart of Christianity. I mean, it's part of it, of course. But Christianity was much more than an ethical choice. But rather, Christianity is about an encounter with a person which gives life new meaning and a decisive new direction. During the talk, one of the keynote speeches, so during that whole week, we had the who's who of the Catholic world. You could never imagine, we had all these powerful speakers, and one of the keynote addresses was from the president of the University of Mary from North Dakota. He's a priest named Monsignor Shea. He's a very popular speaker, goes around speaking all over the world, and he's, he's, he's famous, and he's a great speaker. And one of the keynote addresses, he spoke about young people. Because he works, of course, with university students at the University of Mary. And he was speaking about that particular generation. Because if you, if I, as I mentioned before in previous homilies, when you look at the stats of that age group, again, 18 to, to mid-20s, that generation of young people, when you do the studies, this generation of young people, so all of you who are part of that age group, your children, your grandchildren, they are the most, again, this is, not, this is just me talking, if you look at the studies, this generation of young people are the most lonely, have the highest anxiety, and have the highest sense of despair. Again, why? Look at the culture we're growing up in. So for the past 200 years, and it's, it's only culminating from that, part of the modern era, part of the characteristic of the modern era of the last 200 years is an attempt, if you want to just, just radically simplify it, what currently our culture is attempting to do, it's attempting to foster a vision of life that doesn't need God. That's where we are for the last, if, if, you, if, you, if you follow the trajectory of the last couple hundred years, that's where our civilization is attempting to do. Because remember, our civilization was deeply rooted in the Catholicism with Christ as the center of everything. But then the modern project is an attempt to say, we no longer need God anymore. 
And so what we tend to do, how many of you have heard this before? There is no such thing as truth. There's your truth, there's my truth. How many of you heard that? And then we're attempting to, to foster our own vision of life because if you remove God from the trajectory of, of existence, then what we're left with, every single person is, is tasked to determine the meaning of existence, the meaning of life. And so look at the world, our culture currently. So it's been this trajectory. Because this current generation, if you, especially when you do the more, if you look deeply into the statistics, again, this is not only, uh, the, the, again, the highest anxiety, the most lonely, the highest despair, it's also the, the, the least religious generation we've ever had, ever. So Monsignor Shea from University of Mary gave all of these stats. And he gave a little unexpected twist to it. If indeed there is no God, and indeed this is simply it, this, this, this world here, then indeed the proper response is loneliness, anxiety, and fear. That's absolutely the correct response. Why? Well, because then if there is no God, then this is it. I'm just going to die. And then there's nothing. I, 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 can, I can build a whole life for myself. I can build the grandest empire. I can build everything. I can have all my relationships I could ever want. I can be the most beautiful person on earth. I can achieve everything. But so what? It was, it's all going to end. And everyone will forget us eventually. How about this sobering thought? Do you realize that one day, when we pass away, and our loved ones will, of course, mourn our loss, but eventually there will come a time when somebody on earth thinks of us for the very last time. It's a proper response that our young people have. If indeed, this is it. It all ends anyway. We might as well try to live it to the fullest life, right? But is there more? Go back now beautifully to the second reading today from Paul. Now that I've made you all feel good about yourselves, listen. Brothers and sisters, he's talking to you and me. You have heard of God's grace that was given to me for your benefit, namely, that the mystery was made known to me by revelation. What is this mystery? It was not made known to people in other generations, and it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and to the prophets by the Spirit. That the Gentiles are co-heirs and members of the same body and partners in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. What now is this promise of Christ Jesus? 
And this is where now the beauty and the transformation of the gospel message that we, each of us now carry. You see, why Christianity changed the world 2,000 years ago was that we all boldly proclaim through our lives that death is not the end, I am not the sum of my sins, and that there is more to life than just this. That we proclaim that God has come down onto earth, born as a baby, so that we may now enter into a relationship with him. That death no longer has the final word. This, my friends, is the freedom of Christianity. That we're no longer chained by this world anymore. See, this is why for the first 300 years, when our church was persecuted, we literally went singing to our death when the Romans tried to scare us with, through crucifixion and through the, through the jaws of lions in the Colosseum. Oh, we have eyewitness accounts that when they tried to unleash lions upon us in order for us to deny our Christian faith. Do you know what our ancestors did? When literally the lions were coming, running after them. They sang hymns to Jesus Christ unafraid. This encounter with Jesus that we now hold and have access to at every single Mass is the same mystery which Paul speaks about. For the next few weeks, we're launching a new Bible study. Part of Focus, their main event, isn't that big conference that we had in St. Louis. It isn't the big conference that the, the next seat conference will be in Salt Lake City. We're going to the heart of Mormonism, and we're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ there. We're going to send 15,000 Catholic missionaries to Salt Lake City next year. And I want to bring a busload of parishioners, by the way. So mark that calendar, the first week of January. We're going to, I want to bring as many St. Mary's parishioners there. Part of, part of focus. Our Bible studies in order to encounter Jesus in his word. To open up the Bible, as scripture tells us, that the word of God is alive and that when we understand more deeply our Bible, the st our story, Jesus Christ will cease to become simply that figure up in the sky, but rather will become our Lord and Savior. So I want to encourage all of you when we start launching the dates and, and the, the Bible study, come. Especially if you ever, if you feel intimidated by the Bible, Especially because we all know the Bible is like broccoli. We know that we should do it. It's good for us. Sometimes we need to be motivated in order to eat broccoli. The Bible is the same way. Come to our parish Bible study. Because then when we encounter Jesus, we'll become like these wise three kings. And when we see God face to face, Life is no longer the same anymore.